0: All right, welcome to another interview episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I have Ian Nagy on the line and we'll just dive in with the first question. Ian, what's the number one thing direct response advertisers need to know about YouTube advertising today in Mm -hmm. the beginning of 2023?
1: Yeah, there's enormous scale and you should definitely be testing it if you're not already doing so.
0: Enormous scale and be testing it.
1: Yeah. I can quantify that if you want, or sure. Yes, yeah. please. So Let's dive in. I mean the, I think the latest number that I, that I saw it's probably outdated, but it's, um, there's 600 hours of content uploaded to YouTube every minute. So imagine all the places you can put an ad. Um, there's just an insane amount of content being uploaded and it goes very, you know, very broad and very deep in terms of niche specificity. Um, so yeah, people, and people spend a lot of time on YouTube. So we're talking like 45 plus minutes, average session duration. So a lot of places to put ads there.
0: Huge amount of inventory, very targeted inventory, gigantic user base. I mean, pretty much every internet user, uh, touches YouTube every day. I mean, maybe that's not exactly accurate, but it's not far off. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, excellent. So, so Ian is a former welder. Uh, machinist, EMT, diver, meditation meditation retreat center handyman. So a lot of background there. Plus he's ex-Golden Hippo, one of the biggest, most successful direct response companies out there today. He worked directly with Craig Clemens. Uh, he worked with Ryan Lefecq for seven plus years, which I've often recommended Ryan's Ass method. Uh, well, Ian was Ryan's copy apprentice. He is the co-founder of the Inceptly YouTube ad agency with over $150 million in ad been managed. And he's the co-founder of VidTau, which is a YouTube ad library with seventy thousand plus users, including me. Uh, And so I'm so excited to be able to dive into YouTube advertising with Ian here today. Ian, welcome! Thank you so much for being on.
1: Thanks, Roy. Appreciate it. Great to be here. It's an honor. I've always enjoyed Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. So happy to be here.
0: Thank you. Excellent. Cool. Um, So YouTube ads and direct response, like. Mm -hmm. Um, so you said the number one reason that we should be paying attention to YouTube today is because there's just a ton of inventory opportunity space for us there. How do we do it? What's working right now?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess my answer to your first question is sort of part one, right? We got all this inventory, um, which has been the case for a long time. However... For a long time, it was really difficult to actually get people to click through and take action. You know, as direct direct response advertisers, um, it was difficult to get people to click through and take action on these ads. So back in the day, you'd have to do things like spin up an entirely different URL and be tracking things like uh, branded search lift on that URL and looking at, you know, really sort of uh, a little bit more vague, holistic metrics. But now, I mean, the the, um, the ad product has changed so much that it's really geared towards driving people to click and actually take action. And you'll see, um, you know, if you go on tools like our, the tool, there are a ton of direct response advertisers seeing significant scale, um, on YouTube. And I think that's one of the first places to answer your question. That's one of the first places to start is to really pay attention to what ads you're seeing. So what ads are seeing and what ads you continue to see, um, tools like, I I'm not gonna this is not like a plug for a tool, but basically tracking to see that an ad is continuing to be spent um is is huge because you know it's it's working on some level. Um so paying attention to what's working and modeling from there. And to bring it back to uh to Ryan Levesque, actually he always used to say this, which was um was it was it emulate first, innovate second. So to see what what people, yeah. you know. So that's that's the that's the, the place to start, really.
0: Yeah. So co- uh, copy without copying. Obviously, you don't want to just like take somebody else's YouTube ad script, but say what's working about this, mm-hmm. why is this working, and how can I um, learn from that to apply it to to my own particular offer, my own particular call to action, whatever. Um, OK, cool. Um, so clearly, there's a lot going on with direct response right now. It is like you can say, hey, you know, just click the link and this is what you're going to get at the link mm-hmm. and so we direct people towards off-site still a lot of youtube inventory is going through things like uh streaming on tvs etc like with mm-hmm. roku or google um chromecast or or whatever mm-hmm. but you have choice over that as a youtube advertiser which of those you're going to engage with and obviously your call to actions can be different if you're going to be some major brand and you want that exposure you can do that mm-hmm. um and you can put it on any device, or if you're a direct response person and you say, like, I need them to be able to, to tap or click through, you can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the context of direct response, like one of the one of the huge changes that's going on in all advertising and YouTube included is targeting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like even even just not just the last couple of years, but like the last couple of months, YouTube has eliminated video placements. They've eliminated a bunch of other, I think, channel placements. It, just most of what people are familiar with in terms of of uh, YouTube targeting for a lot of, especially early YouTube inve- uh, advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's going on with targeting? What like fundamental principles are working in targeting? today. Like I like Mm -hmm. to break things down to principles yeah. because a lot of times if you get the principle, like there might be changes, but you still know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and where do you see targeting going based on how much you guys invest in, in YouTube?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I think there's, so the general trend is, you know, more of a black box, right? So definitely, definitely trusting the machine, getting good creatives, getting good, good signal back to Google. On what's working, and then just kind of letting it rip. Especially, we're talking about direct response. Most of most direct response offers are pretty broad, right? Yeah. Health, wealth, relationships—kind of appeals to if not everyone, then a very large segment of everyone. Um, so that's the first aspect. Now, that being said, there is still a lot of leverage to be had for um, doing things like really extreme gran- granular geotargeting so okay so we have like on our team we have uh two data scientists and we're looking all day at for let's say like a big lead gen offer or something where are we seeing the most success on like zip code levels and how can we play with bid modifiers to actually bid more for people who are in terms of this offer going to spend more money or be worth more money um so so can
0: i can i interject there so
1: like you
0: would start with with maybe more broad targeting that's Mm -hmm. like like I know that one thing that's still working right now is like custom intent audience or not custom intent, but custom audiences around like a keyword or key Mm -hmm. phrase that somebody might Mm -hmm. type into Google because that's first party uh, data for Google. They know what people type in the search engine so they can say, Mm -hmm. we know what people who type this in look like. So you might start there, but then as the algorithm is getting all the data and spitting back stuff to you, you can say, okay, well, these 50 zip codes across America seem to have really strong response rates for us. Let's modify our bids to target those 50 zip codes with higher, higher bids, more likely to show up more likely. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of the starting point, what you mentioned with custom audiences, that can be a good place to start. And as you mentioned, that's like one way around, um, you know, the elimination of keyword and placement targeting is you can say, grab your competitor URLs, put them in a, uh, put them in a custom audience as a signal for Google. Another yeah. sort of just a fun, a fun one that is always nice to test. And it always, it shocked me when I first saw it and I'll just share it here because, um, believe it or not, it does work and it can work really well is let's say you have say 50 in Instagram influencers okay. who are bullseye for your market, right? Instagram put their URLs, Instagram URLs as a signal for your custom audience and test that. And I don't know why it works. I have no idea how there's huh. some kind of Google, Facebook, or Meta crossover, but that can actually work really well. Um, it, not every time, but it, I've seen it work very well at scale. Um, so that's a fun thing to test. But it's so, okay, that starting point doesn't, we do test custom segments or, or set our custom audiences a lot, but a lot of times we're going to, you know, we're working with offers where uh offer owner comes to us and says, hey, you know, this is working on email or native. Um, or Facebook, you want to scale it. So we have a lot of data in in analytics already. And the great thing about that is you can go in and see the in-market audiences or affinity audiences, the way that Google has broken down uh, these website visitors and actually leverage that data. Even if you haven't spent a cent on Google, you can go in there and use that data to launch some campaigns.
0: Because the the data exists in in their Google analytics and they have a good amount. Yeah. yeah, okay, or
1: cool. It can be it doesn't have to be you know, it can be even a smaller a smaller offer can leverage that. So that's a good starting point.
0: Okay. Cool. Um and then you're you're just able to to very dynamically go in there and say what signals are we getting back about where our strongest response is and then yeah. just feed the machine say we want more like this. Yeah. That seems like a big lesson like a fundamental principle is like figure out figure out how to get the machine data as quick as possible. And then the machine will give you feedback about what's happening. And then like say, I want more of that. Right. Like that's kind of the the sweet spot of what's working and just general this, this like AI augmented targeting these
1: days. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's similar to what's been the trend as you know, for, for years now, um, but yeah, it's definitely accelerating. And, um, the more you try to restrict in many cases, the more you try to restrict Google's ability to go find new customers using machine learning or AI or whatever, it, you're going to pay a tax on that. So a lot of times it, it's better to go broader as a starting point. Um, and, you know, lean with, on that. with
0: like an acceptable ramp up period of I'm willing to lose money for a while. While the machine learns,
1: I mean to be honest, not really. I mean, we usually we pause campaigns really fast. So, okay. um, you know, when we launch, let's say we're, we're, we have a campaign with like three times the allowable CPA daily budget. Um, it's rare that we're going to see something spend, let's say, two point five or three x that um, that you know that that allowable daily budget, and we're not seeing a conversion. We're usually going to pause it and, and launch something new so it's rare to see something almost yeah unheard of in our experience to see something that starts slow and and actually ends up working um usually it's the other way around if it's if it's you got a winner on your hands you know it pretty fast um so yeah and google's recommendations are often to spend like 10x or whatever um we don't usually do that we try to act a little bit quicker and stop our losses earlier and then find more winners basically
0: Okay. More experimentation with, will this win? Will this win? Will this win? And just run with those. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. Now, what about... So it sounds like a lot of the clients that come to your agency, like you're primarily driving traffic. um, What's going to make or break them from the conversion side? Like once you've driven the click, Mm -hmm. um, do you have any... bet? Like if if your agency is taking on new clients, Or if somebody wants to build something that would work for your agency to be able to help scale what kind of best practices are they going to follow funnel strategy offers for youtube specific
1: etc yeah i mean it really depends um we see a lot of success with anything that can be sold with a video sales letter can be an amazing amazing offer on youtube so um that often historically is meant actually creating a modified version of the video sales letter and running it as an ad and then going to a sort of a slightly modified order form so that's if you have a vsl that's working and you know some of the more shocking vsls are not going to be compliant as the youtube ads as you can imagine um but yeah i mean anyone who's listening if you if you if we can take a look at anything and and give you a good sense of whether or not it's gonna be compliant on YouTube if you haven't run it yet. And happy to to, uh, connect with our rep as well at Google. We usually run stuff through our rep, say, hey, look, is this compliant? Are there gonna be any issues here? Um, That's that's an
0: advantage you have once you spend a decent amount of money, you actually have a direct contact where you can send things in.
1: Exactly, yeah, Yeah, that's that's big actually. And a lot of times you can avoid, um, and, and we get, you know, Things still happen to us in terms of compliance all the time. It's just, it's not a uh, there's no there's no way around that. There's gonna be bots flagging stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, having a human contact massively accelerates the process of getting those problems solved. And also to begin with, avoiding them in the first place.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, to answer your question though, about you know, on the conversion side, um, it can really it can really depend. we do a lot of testing. So a lot of times we find, okay, we This VSL is not working as an ad. We know it works, the the offer is proven. So that variable is is established. So maybe we need to add an advertorial in front of it. And maybe we need to add like a short form ad going an advertorial to then to the VSL. It just, it really depends on the situation. So that's for more hardcore, um, you know, video sales letter, health, wealth, relationship type stuff. Now, if you're running like a quiz uh, type of situation, then, You know, you have a proven quiz funnel, you can run a a shorter format, um, try a lot of variations. Look at V shred. They do an amazing job with this. Um, yeah, not a client of ours, but still amazing to look at. Um, yeah, the, the options are, are quite, uh, quite extensive and again, pay attention to what other people are doing and then throw that in the mix, dedicate some of your budget to testing, uh, new, new ways of actually converting traffic.
0: All right. Well, while, while protecting the uh, identities of the the guilty and innocent, mm-hmm.
1: um, have
0: you seen any, any funnels and offers where you're just like, don't even try that? Don't even touch YouTube ads with that? Because there, is there any red flags that you would look for or that you've seen?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it often comes down to simple economics. So it's, it is difficult, I would say, it, unless you have a really unique physical product um, uh, it's difficult to, to work with a CPA under $50. So front okay. end CPA. So usually the sweet spots around a hundred dollars. And so yeah,
0: your, your cart value needs to be at least hundred dollars for the most part to be able to generate anything that,
1: or allow CPA. So like you're, you're willing to, if you're willing to spend hundred dollars to get a, a front end customer, like a front end sale and yeah. YouTube is probably a good place to prospect. Under 50, there are exceptions, but um, generally, you know, generally it's not, not great, but again, there are exceptions.
0: Okay. Um, Let's see. So one of the things, one of the big changes, and um, actually I'd seen an email from you that was talking about this. You recently did a presentation on YouTube shorts Mm -hmm. and YouTube is obviously shorts are huge, TikTok, all that. YouTube, it has a much bigger user base still um, and is really prioritizing shorts. Uh, but it's like I know that there's been some limitations around the ability to to run ads on shorts, et cetera. So what's going on with YouTube shorts? How can they be useful for direct response advertisers?
1: Yeah. I mean, shorts definitely are uh, personally, I think that given the political volatility around TikTok, you know in the u- here in the u s, um, we don't know if <laughs> we don't know if we're, if, if it's going to be banned in a year, you know, like it's, yeah, it, it's, it's one of these things. So, um, I would say there's a good chance that shorts are going to be more and more of a, a, uh, staple for, for YouTube advertisers and Google will probably, there's a good chance. There's rumors that Google will have an actual, um, direct way to select shorts as a placement, given that it's such a different type of ad. Right. But yeah right now i mean um i'll just just for people who are listening you can uh you can kind of hack the system a little bit and get get um google to show your youtube shorts uh, ad in the shorts placement it's not 100 percent foolproof because you are going to see um in in feed traffic other other uh other placements as well but basically what you want to do is you want to upload your vertical format video so like in your vertical nine by 16 video yeah to under keep it under 60 seconds Upload that to YouTube, grab that. It's going to be a. It's going to show up as a shorts link um, if you yeah. do that. So grab that, run that as your ad, and then basically do a standard um, video for action campaign where you're doing smart bidding. So target CPA, et cetera, and um, target only mobile and exclude mobile apps. And you should be, you're prioritizing the shorts um, placement in that placement or yeah, showing up in shorts basically. <laughs> I, I don't know the exact terminology, but um, yeah, we do that and we yeah. see a lot of success. So we're seeing a lot of success with that right now, more and more actually. Um, and if you have good TikTok ads or content, then it can be a great way to repurpose that and, and actually run it on shorts.
0: Yeah. So if you're starting from scratch and somebody, like obviously the shorts format is 60 seconds, which is what's leading me down this this path. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're starting with... um blank slate in terms of of ads maybe mm-hmm. the client is not necessarily going to run their vsl as the ad mm-hmm. and so you either your agency has to come up with the ads or you're directing the client to give me these ads mm-hmm. um what kind of rules are you asking them to follow or are following um in terms of ad creative uh that you want to test first
1: mm-hmm so in this hypothetical situation are they running traffic on other ad platforms sure sure Uh, okay yeah okay Uh, they are okay let's say let's say that they're running a okay if you're running native you can if you think about first thing is talking about frameworks principles so still the lion's share of what you're going to be doing on youtube in terms of like top of funnel pedal to the metal scaling is going to be those annoying ads that show up in front of the video you actually want to watch, right? These yeah. in-stream videos, right? <laughs> so we, let's look at those specifically um, because that's where we want to start. So the first five seconds, we know at five seconds, you got the skip ad button popping up, right? Yes. So it's crucial that you want to have your viewer stay. And, and if you, they, if they hit skip right there, then, you know, they're gone and you are paying for impressions here just so everyone knows you're not paying for view you're paying you're showing the ads so there's no reason you want them to skip right there so we want to get them past five seconds which means we need to have something you know somewhat attention grabbing that gets them gets their attentional buy-in beyond five seconds um the next milestone is 10 seconds so 10 seconds what happens is something called an engagement so this is it clicks or 10 second views are what signals to Google that, hey, this is a quality uh, ad experience for the viewer. So if you don't make it to 10, 10 seconds, it's not an engagement, you're not, gonna, you're, you're not going to trigger that. And as a result, you're going to pay more for, for traffic. So your CPMs are going to go up. So those are the first two real things to take into consideration. So let's say you've run a bunch of email traffic. You got a bunch of, of subject lines that are, that are performing better than others. Let's say you have yeah. a bunch of native ads, right? You have uh, headlines and images that are grabbing people's attention and, and relevant attention enough to click. Let's say you have Facebook ads, so you have images and or short form videos where you have, you know, established, hey, this is my best thumb stopper, which is Nick Shackerford's yeah. term, right? Someone yeah, gets yeah. someone to stop, pay attention for three seconds. So you have these sort of this data, you can add that to this first part of your YouTube ad. So this is good data-based, um, Creative decisions for that first part of the YouTube ad, right? So that's and that's you know that's a huge, huge, um, you know, huge component to the ad itself is getting people past that ten seconds, and then you know just what what are you, what are your good creatives doing? What is your what is the you know what is the? Um, well, I would say this: look and see what other people in your niche are doing on YouTube, like what ads are working on YouTube and the formats that are working on YouTube, and. Wait, wait,
0: and, oh, and, 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 and now for our commercial break, if you want yeah. to see what your competitors are doing, you can visit vidtao.com, V-I-D-T-A-O.com. That's right. And uh, <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, go back to what you were doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. So go to vidtao or, or just pay attention to the ads that show up in your feed and you can yeah do this, you know, right click, grab the stats for nerds video ID. And then, and look at that, but whatever, however you get it, get the transcript because it's time stamped. Um, and you can just, you can pull that directly from the YouTube video and then dump it into a spreadsheet. So you got your competitors or even other ads with similar sort of um, offer structures. Like it could be an e-commerce ad, let's say in a different niche entirely, but I'm sorry. But
0: Dan, Dan Kennedy called those uh, comparable non-competitors. Mm, so any great. kind any kind of comparable offer or marketing or whatever Mm -hmm. that's not a competitor in addition to studying your competitors.
1: Yeah. yep, exactly. So, so basically dump that into a spreadsheet, like a a Google sheets and you're going to see second by second, line by line what's happening. And then go through, uh, this is like the, you know, if you really want to go in the weeds, take a screenshot at every little milestone and see what's taking place on screen. And then what's being said. And then what's the purpose? Like, why are they doing this? What are, what's the sort of, um, you know, right. You're, you're gonna be amazing at this, right? Which is trying to understand, understand like, what is the sale? Like, how does this contribute to the sales argument? And yeah. understanding that. And then you you basically have the logic of a performing ad right there. And then you can transpose that to whatever offer you have. That's yeah. the best way to do it. Um, and whether and, that means, sorry.
0: Well, no, and, and it's worth noting, like, you know, you've had success with VSLs where the the whole thing, like if somebody watches the VSL, the goal is to have them ready to buy by the time they click to the order form but there are plenty of other youtube ads where the cta for the ad really the only objective that the ad has to fulfill on is the click right mm-hmm. like if i don't know if it's lead generation or starting a quiz or whatever then you just need to get them to the landing page so it's worth paying attention in your audience like what is the actual offer and i'm not talking about where somebody spends money it's what's getting them to take action
1: yeah, exactly. And that's, that's crucial. I mean, we, we've, I mean, our, our biggest niches or spaces we've run in aren't, aren't even the VSL space, even though we've done a lot there, it's, you know, software lead gen, things like this, where, like you're saying, the initial sort of, um, you know, irresistible offer is just click through and maybe download something or like find get a quote on something or other or anything could be, but yeah, yeah. Paying attention to that is is crucial and having a clear offer, even if it's just to watch the, the video on the next page is very important and emphasizing that. So between the, the sort of start and the close, there's a lot. And I think that's where you really need to pay attention to what others are doing who have a similar sort of um, marketing framework or funnel framework. But a, really a thing that I see a lot of people doing, making a mistake is, not spending enough time on giving viewers a compelling just brain dead simple reason to click through and very, and giving them very clear instructions and giving them enough time to do that um in the video so having it we usually have 15 plus seconds dedicated in the video to uh giving them making it clear like hey you're going to click through and do this and here's a here's a countdown timer so there's some even enhanced implied urgency there around it.
0: Yeah, well, so that's really interesting because um, especially with the pre-roll ads, when somebody sees that ad, they get to the end of the video and YouTube has like a three second, you probably know better than me, a very short CTA screen. But then it's going to, like even if the person watched your entire ad and was like, this is really interesting, it's going to hop over to the video that they were going to watch anyway. And they're probably not going to find your ad on the page. Um, to 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 go visit so that you know okay you've got 15 seconds left and here's the reason why you want to click etc like that's very I don't know like uh, I think of Gary Halbert in, in in the context of this he's like yeah tell them exactly who they need to call like what number they need to call tell them who they need to ask for when somebody answers the phone which Gary actually used that name for tracking purposes um, it was <laughs> it wasn't actually the person. Um, and then tell them, like, give them the script that they're going to say to the person that's on the other end of the line when they call. If you want somebody to call and place an order, that's how you have to do it. And like, that's what you're saying to do in a modern iteration with YouTube ads. Yeah, um, and I, I like the being aware of the fact that as soon as your video is over, like, they're on into the YouTube abyss. Um, so give them fifteen seconds of, of dead air.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just make it clear. I mean, there is a companion banner after the, the ad's done, but you know, they sort of, that intensity of need is like rapidly decaying as soon as your video ends and they're watching the cat video or whatever else they're watching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we're like 30 minutes into the interview, um, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about your background a little bit here, sure, and sure. then we have some other fun questions that we can get into after that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you have this background, like you have a really, really cool background of people that you've worked with. And a lot of times people become awesome because they work with other awesome people. You probably had the capacity beforehand, right? But you ended up working with Craig Clemens and Ryan Levesque. Um, Like, how did you get into this whole direct response, advertising, direct? Uh, yeah, all of that. And, uh, and And what do we need to know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, basically I think, so I was in, I was in, I was working as a, uh, like a, essentially like a diver machinist welder and down yeah. in San Diego. And I had, I got, I begged for three months off and I went to Indonesia, um, to surf. I really like to surf in Indonesia, is some of the best surf in the world. And um, anyways, I was there for three months Had an amazing time and just had really a lot of peak experiences, like on pretty much every front. But at the end of it, I was kind of left feeling like, uh, all right, well, is that it? You know, I kind of checked all the boxes (laughs) and I actually ended up going, I ended up, uh, a friend of mine had got really into meditation and he did a 10 day meditation retreat and he was telling me about it. I thought, oh, you know, I want to do that. That sounds actually, you know, interesting to me at this point in my life. So I went back and I really fell in love with meditating. Um, and, um, That led to me basically sleeping on my floor in my office at my, my job, um, saving money. And then I quit my job and moved to a meditation center (laughs) and there, I I spent there for like two and a half years, just, you know, helping manage the retreats that were there and fixing stuff on the property and stuff like that and meditating a lot and studying uh, Buddhism. And, but I realized I was, you know, 30 years old and I had no real you know, no real way to make a serious income. And so I decided I wanted to be a nurse because I had a girlfriend who was a, who was a nurse um, and she was making like six figures and traveling a lot of the year and stuff like that. So moved to LA, got a job as an EMT because I thought it'd be good to be like, have that background ambulance driver while I was going to nursing school. Anyways, nursing school was way more than I, I thought it was gonna be. It was It was crazy, crazy tough. It was really difficult. Um, and clinical hours were all over the place. I ended up losing my EMT job. And as a result of that, I had to drop in a nursing school, but thankfully my, my, uh, my girlfriend then, um, now my wife, she actually supported me uh, for, <laughs> for a few months on her student loans And as I was looking for jobs. And I found Golden Hippo and Craigslist went there and um, long story short, learned about direct response, um, got to work with Craig Clemens and all the other Golden Hippo founders who are amazing. And learned basically, you know, we were reading Gary Halbert. That was the thing. Like, hey, you can't manage an, an offer if you haven't read all of the Gary Halbert letter. Preferably you've hand copied all of it. Um, and so you know, we were learning Gary Halbert and Savanga, all these things. And so I learned how to do PPC there. I learned how to build websites, learn how to do Photoshop. I learned like how to do all these different things, I was managing email lists, started to write VSLs. Um, and then I got and uh, you know, decided, hey, you know, I I after a couple of years, I thought, you know, I want to work remotely, and this job for Ryan Levett came up as his copy apprentice. And very yeah. long story short, he has this whole insane hiring process where it's like a <laughs> sort of like a fight to the death between copywriters, and um, with very tight deadlines. And if you like, you know, miss any detail, then you're you're cut. And I ended up making Jeez. it. I, I won. I I won. <laughs> I won <laughs> the, the right to be Ryan's copy apprentice, which was an amazing experience. Um, one reason why is Ryan is he has the ability to just spit like perfect copy from his mouth. Like he can just start speaking. And it's my job was to be on these or get these call recordings. And basically I might, it was essentially like a transcriptionist typing it. This would be a lot faster today. There's like AI transcribing tools, but I would transcribe what he was talking about to these clients and then kind of come up with a rough draft of the copy. And then he would fix it and tweak it. And then send it to his clients. This is back before he was like a, you know, big internet guru. He was just killing it for all these direct response offers as a consultant. And that became a thing. And then he started to do his own course. And I ended up running his, running his ads, um, did a bunch of launches, big, big launches with him, JV launches, and then got into YouTube and then started, um, with my business partner and started doing, we started YouTube ads agency and then started VidTile to basically keep track of ads that we saw working and, here we are so that was my like attempt to condense it all down yeah.
0: that's that's excellent what a, what like good fortune to have ended up with golden hippo just kind of as a random first job and direct response yeah um and clearly like carving out your path from there uh, i mean not a lot of people go from golden hippo level to ryan levec level
1: <laughs> i mean oh. golden hippo is crazy they're, they're the alumni from golden hippo is insane. I mean, there's so many huge business owners now, offer owners. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. They have a really amazing way of training people. And, and um, I would say to anyone who's aspiring to be, you know, to learn how to do business or convert yeah. clicks to customers, work with a company like that. Honestly, it's an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. I often
0: tell people like, one of the best way, like so many people just want to go straight into the, the freelance lifestyle. And I'm often like, no, just find really good job or retainer opportunities with great marketers um, and, and work with them on an ongoing basis. Some of the things you have to learn because you end up in an environment like that. I mean, I worked with somebody who wasn't even a direct response marketer this like IT training company, but I ran tens of thousands of dollars worth of Google ads. I ran, I was doing database marketing, like mining, like literally writing Postgres SQL um, queries to pull customer information out of the database to determine who had the most credit for an offer that we wanted to run so that we could do these customized offer letters to them with merge and like send that out. And like all of that started here. Um, because I understood direct response and because I was in a place where I had that ability to like get in the weeds versus like a, you know, copy jockey who just gets hired to crank out a sales letter or something and who never has that experience in-house with someone. Um, yeah, it's super cool.
1: I agree. I um, agree 100% with your advice, honestly. Like, because the thing is, as a freelancer, no one's going to give you the the reins it's it's hard to like ingratiate yourself into the business to really be able to see that those kind of numbers and actually get a sense of what's actually going on holistically but when you're actually working for someone they're like you know you can prove yourself you're going to take on more and more responsibility you're going to learn so much so yeah 100% yeah yeah um so um let's
0: see I'm just i'm I'm going through these questions here and trying to figure out the best way to use the rest of the time that we have scheduled together. um you mentioned, and I didn't go too deep into this here. you mentioned that uh chatting about client acquisition strategies might be something worth uh worth worth speaking to you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say I guess first off that that's more on the agency level, the freelancer level, or um what angle can I direct my questions to you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I can talk on basically different phases. So let's just start at the beginning. Let's say you're a hungry, very new marketer and you want, you want to like just get experience, like, like Roy and I were just talking about, um, I would say the biggest hack of all showing up in person to places where people are hanging out and having, let's say like traffic and conversions going there, um, going, going to booths, going to parties around the, around the event as well as is, is actually the, the real hack. But then you got to know someone who knows, um, but you can yeah. go figure that out. Be social, be, be your best extrovert self, but most importantly, have an offer. And I think, you know, the offer for golden hippo, I forgot to get into this, but, um, I, I was trying to get this job for like, I think two months. I was responding every week to the same Craigslist ad where I was writing emails and like spending hours staying up all night to write these emails, perfecting them um, and then sending them in and no one was getting back to me. And it took me like six weeks before I realized, like, I don't think anyone's actually reading these because these are, you know, they're decent. Like I'm applying all these best practices, et cetera. So I found the owner on like domain lookup and I just called him or I can't email their, call them and say, hey, I'll work for free for you for a week. I I think I'm, you know, I think I have a shot at helping you if you don't agree with me I'll after a week, I'll leave you alone. I'll never bother you again. But I would, you know, if you think this could be interesting, I, if I'd love to have a job, if after a week you think I'm decent enough for that opportunity. And he called me right away, he, like called me within minutes and then told me like, Hey, yeah, yeah, I love your, I love your attitude. Let's here's where we're at. Come, let's come meet up. And that's how I got that job. Um, so I think having an irresistible offer, you know, is as a freelancer or aspiring marketer is huge too. So that's something that you can't really say no to. And I, I, get, I, would, sorry, I have to
0: interject for a second. I, yes. I recently had a conversation with a guy who is who worked for Guthy Rinker in the sales department. Yeah. Um. Who also happened to, to be an electric unicycle owner, and he said <laughs> a great a great offer is like an electric unicycle, um, because. Uh, you know, when you don't have it, you know you may struggle to get people to talk to you. But if you have that electric unicycle, suddenly people are like their heads are, you know, cranking in your direction, and they're they're like so curious and they they want to talk to you. And so uh, your electric unicycle offer of like, hey, I want to work with you so much, I will work for you for free for the next week. Now, what you didn't say is I'm not making any money next week anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, Based on your story. Uh, But it's still like this compelling, like, I mean, my, my first offer for freelance copywriting work was kind of like that too. It was actually, it was a lot like that. I, I told the guy like, Hey, uh, your sales letter for your product about marketing testing kind of sucks. I will write one for you. Uh, If you don't like it, you don't have to test it. If you test it and it doesn't beat yours, you don't have to. Um, you, you, you don't have to pay me anything, but if you like it, you test it and it beats yours, then, Hey, let's talk. Um, and, and I got that gig and I got paid and I ended up doing more work with the guy, but the guy also was well enough known in the internet marketing world at the time that I ended up working with Ken McCarthy and, uh, connecting with Perry Marshall and like all these people in direct response, but it all goes back to that, that first, you know, electric cycle offer. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And
1: everyone's going to, they're going to see that electric unicycle and whether or not they actually end up wanting to take a ride on the unicycle, they're going to pay attention at least to at least have that thought come into their mind. So yeah, that's, that's awesome.
0: What about, what about like next level client acquisition strategies? You get some experience, you get some, Mm -hmm. some, um, you know, some, some stuff in your track record. Mm -hmm. Where do we go from there?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, be very clear about who you think you can help and who can actually um, who has the decision making power to fork over the cash to pay you, and then basically do a, a like a spec piece of kind of asynchronous consulting, which is like you like you did. you wrote a you wrote a sales letter, and you know you you identified this person or this business, hey, they could use my help. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume they can actually pay for my services. If I can show my, show my worth and then reach out, you know, cold email, LinkedIn, whatever, uh, whatever method. And you know, what we do sometimes in the agency is just do like an ad review. We'll go through all their ads on Facebook and go through all their ads on Vidtow on YouTube side, or if they don't have YouTube ads, we'll go through their ads on Facebook and kind of like we did earlier, brainstorm, Hey, this is how we would take your existing assets. And, and uh, create some stuff for you to test on YouTube, and this is why you might want to pay attention because other your competitors are doing it, and you're not. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so and, and it's in, inherent value I think is the main thing. Inherent value.
0: Yeah, that's so much different. Like that that thinking um, that's reflected in that is so much different than like. I mean, I get twenty LinkedIn pitches a day of like, I will turn your existing content into shorts or just I don't know whatever dumb stuff right like but but it it a business owner can tell if you didn't think about them before you sent your pitch what you're describing is like you put in a tremendous amount of thought but what you're describing gets like 50% plus conversion rates from i decide to go after this person to they become my client versus somebody that will spend months sending out a thousand cold pitches and get like one person mildly interested and they're not, they don't become a client. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Doing the work ahead of time often leads to a lot less work going forward and better clients too.
1: I'll see. And so that's, that's sort of definitely a a piece that you want to always have in the mix. And then there's a third piece, a sort of third approach too, which is building your own audience. So, um, it, I, I keep thinking that podcasts are, are going to be played out, but they're not. Like it's, long form conversations are it's just part of who we are as humans and getting someone on a sales call is way harder than getting someone on a podcast and so uh so i think having a podcast um is a great way to just spontaneously create connections and content and opportunities and that all sorts of stuff can flow downstream from that from email content twitter content linkedin um, it all starts with the conversation and the insights that you kind of discover. And then there's a relationship that develops from there that may or may not lead to an immediate client relationship, but long-term might lead to a referral or connection, whatever. But it's just like building, building your sort of, uh, your bank of, of serendipity essentially. Yeah. But well,
0: this, this feels like me trotting out the old hits, um, at this point, but, uh, I I've been asked a few times about how I got. Uh, to write the the sales letter for Titans the Direct Response with Brian Kurtz. And one of the early things that I did was I just interviewed him for a podcast that's now long deceased. Um, that particular podcast series. But um it was it was just like one of many things that I was doing to show Brian that I was thinking about him. And um in that that interview is yet another way where you can just have an excuse to go connect with people. Can I feature you is one of the best questions mm. that you can that you can ask somebody. I mean, for their ego, if you do a good job of having that conversation of asking them the questions, um, then they're gonna love talking to you, right? Um, yeah. so uh, there's two two more little directions of inquiry that I wanna go into. One, like I've heard you say this over and over again. You you talked about offers with pitching your services. You talked about offers for the YouTube ads. You talked about offers for the funnels, like offers, offers, offers. And I'm, I mean, as a traffic agency, almost on some level, like the traffic people often get to say, nope, the offer is your responsibility, right? but you're obsessed with offers. And now you've driven over $150 million in ad spend, which that number's probably up because it's a new month. Um, Talk to me about why you focus on offers so much.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're always looking for, we we turn away offers that aren't gonna work on, you know, for our agency. And when we we encounter an offer that we think is gonna work, we get really very excited um, for many reasons but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's about, um, that's a really good question. I guess it's, there's, mm, basically creating a situation. That's a real, it's a hell yes situation, you know, whatever that might be like, Hey, we're gonna have this amazing party to watch the super bowl. Here's what's, here's, what's going to be there. Like bullet, 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 essentially, um, being able to really paint a picture of Um, you know, what the future can look like with this new relationship or, or new, whatever, and how we, how easy it's going to be to, to get there. Um, I think it's like how we can bring people together and, you know, move forward together Whether that's a client or, you know, a product purchaser, product owner, relationship, client relationship, friend relationship, whatever, just being able to communicate and make it very concrete.
0: Because you know, when an offer is a hell yes, like everything else is so much easier.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it, it needs to, Yeah, I mean, how how many times have you seen a, a meh offer? Uh, yeah, I mean, do really well.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Um, you can write great copy for a meh offer, and it might do well for a little bit, but it's not right going to change your life. Right. So um, one of the hot topics. Um, and realizing I'm probably giving this way less time than it deserves. But one of the hot topics that everybody's talking about today at the um at the at the beginning of 2023 is AI mm-hmm. in copywriting and direct response and all of that. And we talked a little bit about how the algorithms and like how how they can be your friend, mm-hmm. uh, advertising through whatever Google platform. Mm-hmm. Um is there anything that has you excited about AI today? Anything that you're paying attention to, or any ways that you're using AI um, that you really believe in? Because I feel like for me, it's kind of there's there's a lot of good and bad.
1: Yeah, I, are you on, are we going to be on video? You know, for the podcast. Yeah, you are okay. Uh, check the check this out.
0: All right, let me let me uh, let you share. If anybody, there we go. You should be able to share. If anybody is listening, you'll have to find the video on YouTube.
1: Okay, so check this out. This is our one of our softwares, which is basically it's looking at my face and and analyzing micro expressions. Basically, these are um, because of AI, machine learning. We can. There are four axes of emotion. Um, This guy Paul Ekman, he's a, a famous psychologist. Really came up with this after a lot of research. And um, basically we can quantify emotion on some level, at least that's the theory. Um, But what what we've done is we've done, we're doing, this is one area of AI we're really interested in, which is quantifying emotion and seeing how it backs out looking at performance. So we actually did a a study where we looked at, um, I think it was like $10 million worth of spend on 10 different ads. And it was all the same ad, but with a different intro all on YouTube, of course. Um, And one ad massively outperformed all the others. And we had some hypotheses, okay, what was the emotional signature of that ad that was going to yeah. make it such a wild success? So we did cohort studies where we had basically ran people through software like this to analyze their face, um, to, to evaluate their emotion, the emotional impact of the ads on like a moment by moment level. And interestingly, um, it was the most boring, like the most emotional flatline <sighs> intro. That was, that was the signature of the, of the most successful ad. And um, it actually led with the price as it, as it turns out, um, huh. so it's just an this is an extra layer of context for performance and just trying to understand why certain ads work and they, certain ads don't work that I think is really interesting, so that's one thing um, so we're definitely definitely deeply exploring that uh, um, apart from that, I mean like there's so much I mean content creation tools like you know using GPT, etc. Are amazing for a number of reasons. Um, And I use them every day. Um, But I think just looking at, you know, I think some kind of unstructured learning, looking at like things like scripts, um, seeing if there, what kind of relationships exist between scripts, performance, and having all this performance data and being able to see, like looking at your email list, seeing which emails generated the most revenue, what were some commonalities among them. I think there's just data in general is, Um, And using AI to explore that is just something that I think we're just scratching the surface on. So I'm super, I'm very bullish on on the whole thing and really excited for what's next. And it consumes a lot of my my waking hours is thinking about and trying to um, execute to some degree on all that.
0: That's excellent. Yeah, it's certainly like when I think back to having to spend an hour or more just writing a, a SQL query to try and get like one little piece of data, or one little analysis out of a customer database, and instead now um, with the right framework, being able to say, here's all this data, I want to know what's driving revenue or whatever, right? Like whatever the important question is. And instead of you having to come up with the SQL query and work through it and figure out how to, use different data points in there, it's going to pull things that you don't even recognize, like Google's targeting is able to identify things that you don't even recognize and say, no, actually for your um, for your golf offer, we actually know that if somebody's a tennis enthusiast, we can target them and they're going to be just as profitable as someone who's identified as a golf en- enthusiast. And suddenly you have this whole different um, direction that you can go when your golf ads are showing up on. And by the way, don't target based on this. Anybody that's that's listening, this is just off the top of my head. But, you know, AI says run your you run your your stuff on on tennis channels and you say, OK, and suddenly you have a whole different audience that um, that your successful promo is, is working to. So that's cool. I think we could honestly go for lots and lots of hours, but that's not what this is scheduled for. Um, so I want to wrap up. Um, you don't have any big over-the-top offer or can't miss it FOMO, anything, but you do have very valuable things for people who are the right audience. So you have VidTau, and then you have Inceptly, uh, which is your agency. Uh, can you? I guess first off, tell me who is a good fit to go check out the Inseply.com, the, the mm-hmm. agency.
1: Yeah. If, if you know anyone spending, I would say, a thousand dollars a day or more on an offer, and you want to okay. crack the code on YouTube, go to slash call and you can set up a brainstorming call with me um, or someone else on our team who's probably better than me. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, we, our team is amazing. And, um, and we're going to we'll help you brainstorm ways to. Crack YouTube and it's not, not a sales call. It's a brainstorming call. Maybe if it makes sense to work together, we will, but you'll come yeah. out of that call with some valuable take home that you can execute uh, yourself or with your existing team.
0: Okay. Excellent. Um, and VidTal, uh, who yeah. is a good fit to check that out? There's 70,000 people already using it. Yeah. It's a free YouTube ad library. Yeah.
1: yeah. 80,000 now actually. So oh, yes. 80. Yeah. 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 as of now, so it's, it's, grown a bit since we uh, spoke last, but, um, but yeah, so VidTal is anyone who's doing any, any kind of traffic or curious about running ads on YouTube in any in any aspect, we have uh, pushing a million ads, almost a million ads indexed on VidTal. And you can yeah. go find your competitor's ads, see how they're performing We track. These are unlisted ads, by the way. So you can't find them on YouTube by searching for them. Um, but you can set track daily performance and see how they're doing over the time, see who's running what and it's fun, it's fun to play with and can give you some great ideas for your own ads.
0: yeah, it's a great place to look for uh and and there's enough performance data that you know you or you or I can go in there and you can say oh these are the these are the ads that are really getting a lot of circulation in my niche or around my topic area and so there's there's a lot to learn for anybody that creates ads. Excellent. So those links will be in the description. I'll put Vidtow as the first link because it's most relevant for the most people as well as the link to Inceptly. Um, Both of those in the description. Ian Nagy, thank you again for being on Breakthrough Marketing Secrets and contributing everything that you have today.
1: Thanks, Roy. It's been a pleasure. Really had a good time talking to you and thank you for all the great content you're pushing out. So appreciate Uh, it.
0: Thank you so much. And and to everybody who has watched or listened through the entire episode, thank you so much too. I would love to hear comments about what your biggest takeaway or action item is from this interview. And I will catch you again in the next episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. I'll see you soon.